You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Don't let, don't let my phone scrolling fool you. Yeah, you don't look ready. I'm totally ready. Okay. Hello and welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Sergio. I'm Brennan. And today we're going to be reviewing, what are we reviewing, Brennan? It's called Delirium, Photos of Gloria. It's the third film in our Giallo month, even though it was supposed to be the second. And before we hear about Sergio's, I'm sure, delighted thoughts about this film, we will be doing our 10-word reviews. Oh, crap. Oh, no, go ahead, go. <laughs> are you prepped? I did. I just remember that I, like, I did it real quick. Okay, great. Um, as always, so much prep work goes into this podcast. It's exhausting. Um, here, I'm going to start with... Mine. Collateral beauty. Adequately adequate. Adequately adequate? Is that what you said? Adequately adequate. Yes. I misspelled adequate. <laughs> <laughs> Can you see what I wrote? No. Is it say adequate? It's like aquiet. <laughs> like aquiet. Yep. That look, yeah, that looks like a <laughs> lotion that you put on something. <laughs> so adequately, uh, adequately adequate, much like my writing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um. If you haven't noticed, Sergio is about ninety-eight percent. I had asleep. to wrestle with so many kids today, and they no, all smelled <laughs> like cheese. Apparently, as yeah. you said, in your half-asleep stupor. <laughs> all right. What are what is your what are your reviews looking like today? Okay. I also have a review of Collateral Beauty, an above-average Lifetime movie with an insanely over-talented cast. And the umbrellas of Cheborg. Want to see hot people sing about gasoline? Me neither. <laughs> mm. Oh, the guy was so hot, though. He's very attractive, the pictures that you sent me. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm not um, going to choose to objectify him, though. Good transition. I see him as a full person. Yeah, no, the hot... Much like I do. The hot the women full person film. from Umbrellas of Cheborg was also in Strip Nude for Your Killer, <laughs> which oh, really? is an Italian movie, which brings us to Giallo Month. Yay. And Bava... Yeah, uh, Lamberto Bava is the director of Delirium, Photos of Gloria. He is the son of Mario Bava, who directed Twitch of the Death Nerve, which Shannon and I reviewed Ooh, a while back. This is what like movies in Hollywood is about, is families. You Basically. Know? Like, Fate of the Furious is about family, Guardians 2 is about family, and so is Delirium, Photos of Gloria. Family. It really is. Yeah. Once you watch all the way through, it's a family affair. Basically. Not my um, kind of family, though. Here's the plot. Gloria is running a successful men's magazine until an obsessed admirer starts slaughtering her models and sending her pictures of their disfigured bodies. That's the shortest plot summary I've ever read, and it's because there's not a lot to this movie. No, there isn't. It's mostly softcore. <laughs> yeah, and uh, annoyingly so. Yeah, um, but before we get into that, let me explain what we're doing. As always, we rate our films on scariness, campiness, FX, and quality. And Sergio... Last week, I proposed that you might enjoy this film more than Short Night of Glass Dolls. Was I correct? Um, I'm going to say yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into that. I can't wait to hear what you're saying then. Um, what's your scariness score? Um, my scariness score is a one. That makes sense. Why? Um, like the rest of these films, I haven't been scared. No, they're too stiff. They're very stiff. Um. It's like the death scenes are more erotic than anything. Especially in this one. Yeah. Which is pretty explicitly about. Yeah, because the nudies. screams that they make are just, you know, 
basically sex noises uncomfortable to watch when there's a hallway outside with yeah. people that might walk by yeah um and it doesn't really do it for me like in a thrill sense or in any kind of sense it's just like eh. no you're like right. i see what you're doing you're clearly appealing to an audience that i am not of 15 year old italian boys mm-hmm. yeah i also gave it one out of five screams okay good job it's not a scary movie this one is especially i heard some things about this film which we'll talk about in campiness so it'll be soon or maybe effects mm-hmm. um that made me excited to watch it i did not hear that it was mostly just about boobs which i'm sure is very exciting um if you're into that sort of thing mm-hmm. but um you uh, normally in exploitation movies I enjoy myself because it's so silly, like how much they show boobs, like the nipple we saw in Tenebrae, like yeah. just dancing around on screen. Um, but I'm, I'm uncomfortable because once again, we, I made the terrible decision of watching this movie in a semi-public place where mm-hmm. people might walk in accidentally. Mm-hmm. So bad idea. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But let's talk about campiness okay. where all the excitement always lies. Um, I think a natural segue for me to talk about campiness is to give it my score. So I'm going to do that. <laughs> Great. Okay. <laughs> you're like, you're like that freaking, uh, all state commercial or whatever, where the Western guy is like, walk across the room, look down, hide your eyes, show them again real slow. Okay. It's like, if you walk the walk, you talk the talk. It's what you do. At all state. Okay. I'll give it a three. Okay. Um, three to five perms. Three to five perms. And the reason why is boobs, boobs, boobs. Do you think boobs are hilarious? I mean, I think they're campy. I don't know if they're hilarious, but I think the effect is that it's funny. Yeah, I mean, just the way that it's so desperately... What? No, just like remembering that final scene where um, the murderer is like undressing her. Yes. because he... Okay, spoilers. The murderer is Gloria's brother. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess he... Uh, it's not kind of like Oedipus complex. Like, what would that be? Just incest. Okay. Like the regular kind. <laughs> the, the regular kind of complex, just the effed up one. Um, look, yeah. Okay, look. If your sister had those boobs, she has the biggest boobs in the world. They're very big. He's slowly undressing her piece by piece. With his knife. With his knife, and it's pretty easy for him. Like, I'm not saying that she didn't put up a fight and that she's, you know, consenting in any way, shape, or form. But just the way in which he rips off her clothes, it's like in one fell swoop. Um, it's like she's wearing a tearaway dress. Mm-hmm. And then slowly she's like revealed to be in her bra. Um, and then like just she's breathing heavily. But the way that she's breathing and the way her body's reacting, like it, it looks like only her boobs are breathing. Yeah, it's really strange. Um, it's interesting to watch because it <laughs> it's kind of it's funny. It's fascinating. It's funny is what it is. It's funny. No, you're totally right. And he's like, before I kill you, I want to see you naked one last time. Mm -hmm. Which, first of all, there shouldn't have been that many times that he saw her naked because he was her brother. But he was also... But she was a model and he's a photographer. Yeah, he's a photographer, which is gross as hell. But, I mean, they built an empire. So who am I to judge? I don't have an empire. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I also gave it three out of five perms. For for other reasons than yours, although I appreciate it. I know what reason you're going to name. Really? Okay, tell me. The reason you're going to name why you gave it such a campy score? Yeah. The eyeball and the what the mosquito? Okay. Um, I was going to save those for effects, but I'll talk about them now. That's campiness. That I nice guess campiness. I thought it was cool. Kind of, it's a cool concept. How? I wasn't sure what I was looking at. Like, you didn't mention anything when a woman randomly <laughs> changes, like, from shot to shot. And in that process, she gains an eyeball for a mask. And I'm just like, why isn't he saying anything? Like, am I the only one seeing this? <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I knew that was going to happen and I wanted to see a reaction, <laughs> which I, was, I guess I furthered by making it seem so normal. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, so they're, the, the, the first two kill scenes are from the killer's POV. Mm-hmm. And his POV is very peculiar because he imagines his first victim as having a giant eyeball for a head. Yeah. And, and smoking a cigarette just... As eyeballs do. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't stick cigarettes in your eye? <laughs> no. Um, and his, the second victim, he, is, he imagines as like a kind of Jeff Goldblum-esque fly creature. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a mosquito. Maybe. It, it was some kind of gross bug with dongles, mm-hmm. like a proboscis of some yeah. kind. Either um, way, just something gross and an insect. Yeah. No, it's out of nowhere. It has... Nothing to do with the film. I thought I thought all his victims were going to look like eyeballs, and it was going to kind of continue the theme of voyeurism mm-hmm. and photography because all of the killer's shots also kind of fade to red, mm-hmm. kind of like a dark room, mm-hmm. and he is a photographer, mm-hmm. and he's uh, um, he's impotent. Which Oh, yeah, we got that one scene. Yeah, where he tries to sleep with a model, and she's mm-hmm. like, it's fine, and he gets all mad at her. Uh, he gets snippy, too. Yeah. Like, oh, this happens to all kinds of men. He's like, well, I bet you'd know. Yeah, oh, God. That, that's the worst is men you know what? punishing something, women for their um, inability. Something I thought that was cool, um, and I guess we could mention this in effects. Okay. Um, is that kill scene for that girl? We will talk about that. Okay. But I want to talk about campiness. I want to, like, put the pin on that first. Okay. Um, so, yeah, this guy's impotent. There, there's a really interesting thing, theme they could have genuinely explored here because mm-hmm. most slasher villains are at least metaphorically impotent. The way that they kind of express their sexual power is through penetration via sharp objects like knives and mm-hmm. pitchforks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty consistent theme through mm-hmm. the slasher genre. A pretty obvious metaphor. Yeah. Um, this one takes it even further. When he's undressing his sister with his yeah. knife, it's one of the most phallic things I've ever seen. And I've watched all the slumber party massacre movies where I haven't. Yeah. Well, no, we're guys killing people with a literal giant drill. That's basically just a phallus. Oh, but no, like he puts the knife in her mouth and he's like groaning. And it's so, there's actually a similar scene in Texas chainsaw Two, where the chainsaw is very clearly leather faces tick. Really? Yeah. Um, where it's like, I like the idea that they knew that they were doing this like it was very clearly like an erotic phallic thing yeah but it just went nowhere like there was no point to it it was just because it's a sexy movie uh-huh. and ugh, i it could have been so much cleverer than it mm-hmm. is one more thing that i just want to like if i'm gonna okay. put my last cent in for the campiness score is just kind of how over the top the writing was um and this is something that made me not as intrigued into the thrills of the scariness part was um the writing for gloria and just like her lines i i can't say that i was over it but i was over it no and every line is performed like it's the first rehearsal of a high school play yeah it's like somebody showed up one day and they just threw the script and they were like here just say the words and we'll we'll do some movie magic with it yeah like people will stand up and announce a line really woodenly and then like walk over somewhere else and mm-hmm. pick up a thing and then say another line really woodenly it's like they're practicing their blocking yeah it was very um I forgot the name of that movie, that Italian movie slash German movie we saw slash Spanish movie. Bloody Moon. Bloody Moon, where she says that famous line. Suffering is good for pleasure. Yeah, that one. It was very much in that kind of style. Yeah, like very 
overacted and it's clearly dubbed. I don't think this is one of the Italian movies that I've seen where almost no one was actually speaking English on set. Yeah, I don't think anybody was. Yeah. Um, no, I think you're right. Like there were times that I kind of ignored it and like phased it out of my brain, but it was very clearly mostly just Italian. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of helps me understand it better. Since sometimes when they do the dubbing of like different voices and there's different tracks, uh-huh. um, I feel like I can't necessarily understand what the people are saying who are actually speaking English that one time. Uh-huh. Um, but this time it kind of helped me like stay all the way through. Okay, because the lips didn't match at all, so you didn't have to try to see mm-hmm. what they were saying. But that's kind of like, um, I feel like a Catch-22, like I could understand what they were saying, but I wasn't as into the characters because I really wanted to feel for Gloria um, because like she has all these fortunate events happening to her. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, like the actress is so cheerful as she's describing um, her models dying. And I was just like, eh, you know, she's rich. She'll be fine. Yeah. And the scene keeps cutting to just like small quiet moments of her just being cheerful and doing her work again. It's like, yeah. are you not cut up about your models being cut up? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's uh, some more campiness. There's this, <laughs> see this movie is just so campy. We have to like, yeah, up the score more. Well, there's this kid in a wheelchair who like lives across the street and is like spying on her all the time. But apparently the, his wheelchair is psychosomatic. Like it's just in his brain. The doctor's like, your body is fine. You can walk if you want. And mm-hmm. he's like, no, I can't. But then in the end he does, but then he doesn't. It makes no sense. The character is pointless. Like, oh, I forgot the biggest part of the whole phallic thing. The, the wheelchair kid saves the day because he has a shotgun. Oh. And he literally shoots off her brother's dick. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um, But I got distracted. I can't say I was expecting that. That was crazy. Um, Did you know that was going to happen? No, all okay. I knew was the eyeball lady. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, there's a part where um, George Eastman, who plays her lover, who's an actor, um, he's a familiar face to me because he's the villain in Anthropophagus, which is a cannibal film, an Italian cannibal film from 1980, and it's crazy. It was on the video nasty list because it's super gory and gross. Um, but anyway, he <laughs> plays like this like sexy liaison that she has, which I just can't buy that because i'm used to him being an evil cannibal with oh, like him? oatmeal over yeah, his face i was face. bored by his character only because he didn't really go anywhere yeah there was no point to him but like we were confused like we were trying to figure out you know the whodunit of it all uh, i figured um, it out yeah brennan did right away. uh sorry brennan did right away um well the I f- the second he couldn't get it up with that girl i was like mm-hmm. oh he's killing people okay yeah, it took me a little bit longer. Um, although, and I had several people like in my like, oh, it could be this person. Oh yeah, it could be X, it could be Y. Um, and he was one of the people who I had like predicted or had assumed that he could be the murderer. Uh-huh. Um, and I expected him to have a meteor part um, or to have kind of like any relevance to the theme, yeah, to no, the plot, but he, he didn't ha- die. Yeah. He was barely a red herring. Yeah, he didn't really save her. Like, the detective didn't think that he was the killer or, like, throw her. Yeah, the detective also wasn't helpful. Yeah, like, these two characters, like, when they showed up, I was surprised that they did because I was like, you contribute nothing to the plot or to the storyline. You're just here for decoration. Yeah, no, well, weird sex scene where they're, like, sideways in a bathtub and then the brother walks in. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the purpose that he served. I guess. Was to emasculate the brother further in that one scene. Yeah. But I mean, he could have been any character. He could have been... He could have been Roberto, the photographer. Yeah. Um, who, who gets killed. Exactly. Who has a role. Exactly. And is a red herring. God exactly. damn it. Exactly. See, like, it just goes further. Like, it makes you angry. Yeah. At these characters. Like, 
Because his backstory was kind of flushed out, right? Like they had a history. Yeah, they used to date before she married her husband who got killed in a car crash. Mm -hmm. And he's an actor and he's constantly going to Greece to yeah. shoot Anthropophagus, I assume. Yeah, and <laughs> and that was the kind of the thing that made me suspect him was that when some of these murders were going on, like he had left to Greece. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, okay, that is red herringy. So uh -huh. they tried a little bit. Okay. And there's a scene. This is the scene that I wanted to talk about. So that was his whole, like, sorry, I'm just like, no, you're back fine. a little bit was that that was his only purpose was to throw us off like it wasn't it didn't serve any structural purpose other than that i guess but they didn't do super good job okay at it all right continue uh, as no, you were but there's a scene where she's calling him and she's like oh you're not in town anymore he's like no i'll be i'll i'll come see you next time i'm in rome and then the camera pulls out and he's standing in front of the coliseum which oh. is the most obvious way to show us that he's lying <laughs> and still in Rome. Uh -huh. It was hilarious. It was. I thought it was a pretty shot of the Colosseum, though. Oh, it was. But it's like, what What thing, could, like, short of putting him in front of a sign that said, Welcome to Rome, uh -huh. there was no more obvious way of showing where he was. You're um, right. What is more Rome than the, Roman than the Colosseum? I don't think anything. Gladiators? Pizza? I don't think so. I think sandals? <laughs> You're right. Um, but yeah, so uh, that scene. And speaking of George Eastman, there's a lot of familiar faces in this movie. To um, Brennan, I guess, because no, okay, the lady who played Evelyn, who was the like live-in helper lady for Gloria, she's Daria Nicolotti, who was also the helper lady in Tenebrae, and she was married to Daria Argento. Um, I don't think at this point, but she was for a while, and she co-wrote Suspiria. Did she really? Yes, she did. Good for her. And um, ladies are doing <laughs> it with friends. Yep. And also the guy who played Roberto, the photographer, looked familiar to me. And I realized he was in previous Scream 101 movie, Stage Fright Aquarius. Ooh. The one with the owl? Yes. Also known as Deliria. Um, so this movie, that movie oh, also shit. came out in 87, named Deliria. This one's called Delirium. Uh -huh. They share an actor. They also share a composer. Really? Simon Boswell did the score for both of those movies. Ooh. And this score is very electric guitar heavy. It's not as good as his Super Banana score for Stage Fright, but it was. There's some funny, like, chintzy saxophone music in the sexy scenes. Uh huh. Um, yeah, let's move on. Effects, I'll, I'll just say it. I'm going to give it three out of five eyeballs because I did like um, the effects in the two kill scenes that were any good in this movie. Okay. Oh, is the second kill scene or the second good kill scene to you? Um, the first one was the eyeball lady getting stabbed with a pitchfork, and the second one I was like whatever. Yeah, I just like the eyeball, okay. and the second one is um the lady with the bug head, and she gets stung by a million bees. Yeah, like at first, <laughs> the killer enters the scene in kind of like um. Uh, it looks a fencing like, costume. Yeah, it looks like fencing gear, like in graduation day. We weren't sure if he was um, a beekeeper or a fencer, and we guessed fencing because you know they they come equipped with a weapon already. Yeah, and I'm I'm used to seeing fencing killers. Like it happens more often. Really? In graduation day. Okay. It's an easy way to like a mask is built into the costume, okay. so people don't question it. Okay, that's true. Um, so then like he goes into the house and you see him with a box. I'm like, what's he gonna do with this box? And then what he did is he did, like, the Oprah gif. He released <laughs> the bees. And then, like, this girl, this poor model who's just trying to help him, you know, out, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, she gets killed by bees. Oh, man. And what a scene, though. Yeah. 
first of all, another like really penetrative phallic scene. You see like the stingers going into yeah. her. And um, there's just a shot of her back just covered in bees with their stingers attached uh-huh. to it. It's so... Not I only this. that, like he pours honey on her. No, it's it's like a perfume. Oh, I thought it was honey. That attracted the bees. I thought it was honey. I don't know if the bees care about honey. I thought it was honey. It was perfume. That was said by the detective later. Okay, fine. He I'm threw sorry. a pheromone on her. Yes. I would... See, it could be even like one of those phallic things you were saying because it could be like ejaculate no you're right and when he gets shot in the dick he ejaculates blood onto his sister basically really? yeah oh i didn't catch that like uh are we is this film more intelligent than we think it is <laughs> i don't know there's i think we might be reading too much into it no i don't think so at all the imagery is very obvious like i think i think they're really good at the slasher metaphor sexual imagery uh-huh. and almost nothing else yeah because it was like I wouldn't mind if the film were this deep that you are going and you're dragging me along with you. Um, but I feel like it's just so dumb and so silly that it's just like, it really can't be to me. It's just soft core, like oh, it, fluff it, and nothing else. Yeah. It's soft core fluff. And that's why these sexual things are happening. Like maybe they're not doing any sort of indictment of the slasher culture or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like what that means, but they are engaging with that visual trope like there's no denying that okay i don't know i'll accept it i mean i got nothing better to do but to accept this is truth okay. what's your effect score i gave it two okay uh anything you want to add <laughs> well no i mean we were pretty t- we talked pretty in depth about the b scene like that was my like once i realized i was like oh yeah that because before that the only thing i noticed uh was the like red tint of the killer scenes yeah i was like oh all late in the movie i was like oh this is the photographer yeah. in him literally 10 minutes before the end <laughs> it's okay you were you were uh-huh. i'm actually proud of you because i think you stayed awake for this entire movie i did your brain was somewhere else i did like i closed my eyes for a few minutes in between um some of the like lazier shots mm, i really don't blame you but i mean otherwise i stayed awake so go me like that's more <laughs> awake than i've yeah. been for other movies that's true Okay, so you told me at the beginning of this episode that you actually liked this a little more than Short Night of Glass Dolls. Yes. But what is your quality score? I gave it a three. Really? I don't remember what I gave the other ones, but I gave this one a three. I think you gave Short Night a two. Okay. And Tenebrae a three. Okay. Did you like it more than Tenebrae? Um, maybe not. I think it may be like Tenebrae a little bit more. Okay, I, I agree. Good job. Uh-huh. Like, um, I think Tenebrae had faults that... Um, we're not as bad as this movie's shortcomings were. No, Tenebrae is still a movie. <laughs> okay. And this one is just kind of nothing. Aspirational at best. Yeah. Okay, do you have anything you want to add to your score? Well, no. I mean, the only reason why like it's as high as it is is because something that I enjoyed about this movie was how personal the cast was. Um, we did see them interacting with one another. We did get histories with them. Mm-hmm. And it was um, a small cast. It was a small cast, yeah. Um, we got like very in-depth histories with some of the characters, like some of the side characters that we really didn't need. Yeah. Like the, the, the lesbian who's trying to buy out the magazine. Yeah. Well, this is the first time we're mentioning her, but like that was she's a, not a character. Exactly. She's, she's like George Eastman. She's just like there to be kind of a red herring. Uh huh. Um, and I enjoyed that about it. Like it keeps you intrigued. Okay. Ultimately I would have liked that to go somewhere or anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't. So, um, but you know, points for trying. Okay. That's great. I'm actually going to differ with you. I'm going to give it five. out. No, I'm oh, giving like, it two out of five okay. on Lucky Stars. Um, as much as I am very intrigued by the 
imagery that we talked about and i think that it is definitely intentional and fairly clever even if it's super obvious um i just i can't get behind this movie i didn't find it very interesting the kills weren't well done see the thing about tenebrae that separates it from this is the plot was kind of wacky and the murder mystery wasn't super well thought out mm-hmm. but the kills are so incredibly artistic and beautiful and this just didn't have the same sense to it like the kills were crazy and they attempted to do that with the eyeball thing and all that stuff but they just weren't visually interesting and almost nothing in this movie was except for her beautiful villa house yeah I do love her home now that you're mentioning it oh yeah it was a beautiful place to die mm-hmm and it, it's just an excuse for being a softcore film. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. It's just not good. Yeah. It doesn't sustain the the um, ravenous movie watcher that Brennan is. No. No, it did not. Yeah. Like, I, in if we're talking movies where um, brothers are in love with their sisters, I much more enjoyed Wes Craven's porn film, The Fireworks Woman, <laughs> than this movie. What? That's the thing that happened in that movie? Mm-hmm. And he was a priest. This is a crazy movie. Oh. I mean, I guess I'm more um, partial to Amityville 2 or Amityville The Beginning, which was the prequel, which was the sequel. Sorry, that made no sense. Um, is there incest in that? Yes. Uh, the second Amityville movie following Amityville Horror. The Possession. Uh, was it The Possession? Yeah. Okay, whatever. I thought it was The Beginning or something. It's okay. Um, was Amityville The Possession, which was actually a prequel to the first movie. Okay. And yes, there was indeed incest. Cool. Great. Where it was, I won't tell you. Maybe it was beneath the bed. Maybe it okay, was let's above the we attic. This is not an incest podcast as well, much as no. it sounds like it. I was just um, trying to make a joke like it was hiding somewhere. No, I know, like I know. It was an actual sentient being, but it, it's not. Yeah. Anyway, it's time for our genre check-in. Sergio, do you feel like you've learned anything more about the Jello genre? I think I movie? can come to expect boobs. I think that's yes. a solid expectation I can say now. That was because last time you were like, "Yeah, I want to see more boobs," and in this one, literally the first shot. Yep, is that's something I forgot to mention for camp, and it was the first shot going God. into this movie. It was like literally, you know, photographs of boobs, but also like a boob photo shoot going on. Yeah, it was. It's incredibly over the top. Mm-hmm. Like literally, there are movies in this genre called strip nude for your killer or stuff like that. They're, they're not hiding what they are. Uh-huh. Um, generally they tend to be a little more artsy though. And this one was not, it, it was very much, I mean, it was the late eighties. So Italian genre movies were less prestigious already at uh-huh. that point. So they were kind of like, eh, we'll be a dumb slasher. Low hanging fruit. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, shortly I will tell you what we're watching next week and I can promise you it's the most exciting title of them all. But, um, first here's how you can contact us. If you want to talk to us about delirium photos of Gloria or any of the other movies we discuss, well ever, uh, you can, uh, email us at scream one one podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at scream one one pod. You can find us on Facebook at scream one one podcast and find us on iTunes, subscribe, rate and review us, give us five stars and you can earn a digital download code for La La Land, which is not being snapped up. And I hope our audience is not those La La Land haters because I'd be very upset. I don't know. I don't think our audience is really Moonlight people. Okay. They're, they're, not, they're just not Oscar movie people. Yeah. I think that's more it than anything. No, you're, that's fair. 
Um, well, if no one snaps it up this episode, I'll find another movie to offer. And we can't give these <laughs> things away. <laughs> exactly. That's uh, so sad. But whatever, you know. Whatever. We're just happy to speak to an audience of one. Yeah. You mean ourselves? Yeah. I listen to the podcast. I do too. I love listening to me talk. Yeah, it's great. Actually, no, I don't. No. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you, you can find old episodes of our show on our archives at podpeople.me. And do you want to know what we're watching next week, Sergio? Um, sure. It is a film from 1972. It was directed by Sergio Martino. <gasps> a man after my own name. Oh, yeah. I can't believe I didn't even notice that. You didn't? I just didn't think about it. I was like, oh, it's an Italian, Sergio. <laughs> a different breed. Yeah, it's totally different. Are you looking him up now? Yeah, well, I want to see what else he directed. Oh. See, I was hoping for cooler, cool titles in his um, filmography. Mm-hmm. He directed The Mountain of the Cannibal God. <laughs> That's not the movie we're watching. I'm just trying to like build up tension, you know? Uh-huh. Um, he also directed a movie called Torso, which is um, important. Um, he directed, speaking of exploitation, he directed Naked and Violent. <laughs> he directed Blade of the Ripper. So what are we watching again? He directed The Case of the Scorpion's Tail. He directed All the Colors of the Dark. Are we watching? Because you're just listing movies. I don't think I know what we're watching. Sorry. I just... Oh, he directed a movie called The Suspicious Death of a Minor. Is that what we're watching? He directed a movie called Sex with a Smile. Are you just doing this to see how far you can get to annoy me? A Man Called Blade. Okay, I'm done. Um, I'm just very excited. Like, I wanted to say, he's directed all these exciting titles, but none of them compares to the awesome movie we'll be watching next week, which is Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key. Isn't that the best title you've ever heard? It is. This man who stole my namesake really wants to be a better writer than me. <laughs> and maybe he is because these are great titles. Maybe he is. I'm so excited. Um, we'll catch you next week for that. And thanks for listening. Good luck on your journey, everyone. And stay gold, everybody. Bye. Hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs> Hello there. I'm Uncle Ponyboy. Do you like suspense? Don't go in there. Buckets of blood and human excrement? Gratuitous nudity with more boobies than you can handle? Let me see And radical hairstyles? Oh, yeah! Then you should check out the Gore Gab Podcast, hosted by yours truly and DJ Gill. Hello! You can find us on the iTunes Podcast Store and on Twitter at Gore Gab Podcast. And while you're at it, go ahead and go check out cupholderradio.com. It's podcast for the weird at heart.